Hello there, friends. It's your old pal, Ariel Hawani, back with another edition of the Wednesday Pod. Now, before we get into things, you may have noticed that this particular podcast feed has changed just a little bit. There's now a new logo. It's the DC and Helwani logo, and the feed is now officially known as DC and Helwani since that's the Monday flagship show. Now, this show, the Wednesday pod, is still technically called Ariel Helwani's MMA show, and I'll continue to refer to it as the Helwani show. That's not going anywhere. It just so happens to be all under the DC and Helwani umbrella. All right? Not a big deal. Hope you like the new uh, logo. It's nice to freshen things up. Also, speaking of freshening things up, the NFL season is back. Yes, the NFL is back on Thursday. They officially kick off. And I wanted to remind you all about some of our outstanding football podcasts right here at ESPN. I've listened to every single one of them, and none of them are saying that the Buffalo Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. And guess what? They are all wrong. <laughs> we got shows like the Adam Schefter podcast. We got the Bill Barnwell show. We got the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny. Whether you're a hardcore fan or a casual football fan, I guarantee you there's a podcast for you if you like pigskin football. You can search for these shows wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, leave them a review. Tell them I sent you. And while you're there, leave me a review and tell those people that I sent you as well. All right. Now on to today's program. And remember, as always, listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ariel Back in your life on this Wednesday, September 9th, 2020. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new edition of the pod. And as always, we are presented by Modelo. Modelo Especial. Brood for those with a fighting spirit. Now, my friends, we've got a lot to discuss. A lot going on, as always, in the world of MMA. In fact, towards the end of today's program, I'll share some MMA news and notes. So stay tuned for that. A little preview of this coming weekend's fights, all that stuff and more. Also, we will talk to Gerald Mershart, my first time talking to GM3. And let me tell you, this guy is going to get you fired up for next weekend's fight against Hamza Chemaev. They have booked him against Hamza Chemaev, and they have also booked Hamza's fight after that fight against Damian Maya. The disrespect is on 11 here. It's unbelievable. He will get you fired up. He's the ultimate underdog, so stay tuned for that. But first, let us talk to the great Alistair Overeem who, of course, is coming off a big win over Augusto Sakai this past weekend. What a legend he is, fighting in MMA since 1999. He is now 40 years young, and he is still a player in the heavyweight division. Always great to catch up with the Reem. And this time, by the way, a very reflective Alistair Overeem. It was a lot of fun talking to him. Enjoy. Let us kick things off today with the one and only Alistair Overeem, who was victorious this past Saturday in Las Vegas against Augusto Sakai, picked up his 47th pro MMA victory in his 66th fight, four decades strong. Alistair Overeem, unbelievable. How are you, my friend? Congratulations. I'm good. I'm uh, great, actually. Good performance. We're back in the Netherlands now. Back with my kids, because in camp I separated myself from them, and uh, yeah. 
Life could not be better. By the way, how long are you away from your family? Because you go to Colorado, right? And then you go to Vegas. So in total, how long are you away from them? And I think it was eight or nine weeks total this time. Oh my Usually gosh. it's five, six, seven, eight weeks. Right. Um, but I did notice in this particular buildup to this particular fight, you were talking like for the first, you owe every time we try to talk to you about the end and retirement stuff, you were like, no, 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 no. But this time, like you, you are talking about the end. You are talking about things like that. Is it because you're missing your family? Do you, do you feel like it's kind of draining on you? I definitely think it's a, it's a, uh, it's part of it, but it's also, it's on my terms, right? I mean, people have been talking about retirement for 15 years. Yeah. I listened to those people. I mean, nothing would have ever happened. Right. Yeah, of course. Uh, if we would have spoke back in 1999, back in 2000, 2001, and we would have talked about your career and, and we would have said in 2020, you were beating up youngsters and you were fighting in almost 70 pro MMA fights. Would you have believed me? Mm. When are you telling me this? How many what? years ago? 2000, 2001, 19, oh, 20 two, years oh, ago. 2001. Um... I would probably not have believed you, right? That it would have become this big of an adventure. But maybe on the other hand, it would. I mean, I was crazy enough back then about it, right? Mm -hmm. Passionate enough, let me put it that way. Passionate slash crazy. (laughs) (laughs) It does feel like you do love it as much as you did in the beginning. Like I could see genuine joy on your face as you're preparing for the fights. Like the whole process, fight week, all that stuff. You still, you still, I mean, usually you do something for 20 something years, you kind of get tired of it. It seems like you still have that same passion for it. Am I right? Yeah, I know. I like it. I love it. And uh, it has nothing to do with the attention, but it's just doing what I want to do. Cause I never really, the attention, I've never really cared about that. I mean, in the beginning, there's no attention. Now there's no fans. I never really did it for that, but um yeah, I just really uh, like to love to compete. I, I, I'm good at it, right? I've, I've won like 80%. We got four world titles. We're still kind of in, in the mix for the UFC title. Um, but I don't know. I love the process. I love staying fit. I love eating he- uh, healthy, getting ready for these guys. Yeah, speaking of which, I was thinking about that on Saturday as I was watching you walk out to the cage. You're a guy who fought in front of tens of thousands of people in Japan, all over the world, right? On the biggest stages in combat sports. And now here you are at the UFC Apex at the headquarters in Las Vegas in front of no one, a small cage, small venue. It's not even an arena. What was that like for you? Yeah, so uh, the last fight was in Jacksonville. Same same deal, right? No fans. To me, I like it because it's, it's, it's just like sparring. You're starting sparring a stranger. And there's just no honest. It's just like you would be in the gym. Mm. Uh, it's televised for millions of people. Um, yeah, it's something new. New impulses intrigue me. So, and that's why I like it. Probably after a couple of fights, I would get bored with it. And I would prefer fans. Right. But as of now, I still enjoy it. I still like it. Now, Apex different than the one in Jacksonville, though, because at least that was a real arena, right? So it felt kind of big. This one is a lot more quaint. Do you notice the difference? Yeah. Correct. This is like a very, uh, very, um, yeah, you're, you're, you know, you hear everything. It's not a lot of people in the, and the other Jacksonville is still big, right? This is an empty arena. This right. is a small, but to me, it doesn't matter. It's all good. Uh, what about the smaller cage? How did you feel about that? Yeah, it didn't affect me too much. 
didn't notice a difference. Not that small, right? I mean, you have me, I would say it's a medium cage and then you have a large cage, large cage. You can run around in there. Medium cage. This was a medium cage. There was still enough movement uh, possible. Everything was possible. And then with the small cage, there's not a lot possible. Mm. So to me, it's, yeah, it, it, it was a medium cage. Okay. Um, uh, correct me if you feel otherwise, uh, but it seemed like the fight started a little slow for you that he won the first two rounds. What was going on in those first two rounds for you? And then how did you reverse course? Well, I didn't want to, uh, you know, you know, it's five rounds. Yeah. So to me, it was like, let me just uh, fight him a little bit, see what happens. Um, I could see the finish uh, on the ground anyways, right? Submission or ground and pound. <clears throat> but um, yeah, let's just see where, where the fight goes. Let's just cruise control. Let's just flow with it. Mm. So you weren't worried at all? No, I was not too worried. I mean, the... he's a big, he, he punches hard, but I was not too worried. Uh, was that the plan to take your time to take him into deep waters because you're a lot more used to fighting five rounds than he is? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. At any point, did he seriously hurt you? No. Nothing. You didn't feel anything. No. Wow. What about the end of the fourth round there? Did you think that the fight would get stopped with your ground and pound? Um, the coaches were doing an awesome job in, uh, in, in directing me. And they were like, listen, this fight is about to get finished. He's basically finished. Just get the takedown and finish him. So that, that was where my instructions going into the fifth. Okay. Uh, yeah. But when you were, when you were actually raining blows towards the end of the fourth, did you think the fight would get stopped? Um, I think I probably had to do a little bit more. Okay. Right. And, and in the fifth, we, we, we turned it a little bit more on him. Right, more more vicious elbows, more. It's good to have, in my opinion, uh, different levels, right? Not just go 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 go, but just you know a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit more now, a little bit less. You know, that's thirty minutes with the break. You need to kind of, uh, yeah. Uh, you're sort of uh, covering the uh, the the camera there. I see your hand yeah, covering it there. Bad, yeah, you you bad, see that? Bad. I don't mean to correct you, Alistair. You know, I have the utmost respect, but uh, you know, I don't want to see half your face over there. So, I mean, what a lovely face it is. All those scars. You must wear them proudly, right? Do you love the scars? You love the scars, right? <laughs> I don't have a problem with them. No, I mean, uh, they all tell a story, right? Right. Which is there's which a is lot the... of stories. Let me put yes. it that way. Which is your favorite story on your face? Um. Well, favorite story. I don't really talk too much about them, but if somebody asks, I'll tell them. Okay. Right? I'm asking. Is, there, is there a favorite story? No, there's not really. <laughs> <laughs> there's not. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a lot of war battles, uh, travel, figure it out again, right? What are we going to do next? A lot of adventure. That was, that was, I was, I was built for that. I was built for adventure and mm. I got adventure, right? Yes. I just followed and I, and that's exactly what I got. If for some I, reason I was not built for a nine to five, absolutely a desk job, if you or will. Just, yeah, or you know, um, with all due respect to everybody performing those jobs, or like a construction job, or you know, anything like mundane, boring. Um, yeah, I, I just couldn't. I just couldn't. If for some reason it ended today, your career ended for whatever reason, would you feel content, or do you still feel like there's more to prove? I, uh, I there's definitely more to prove, but I would definitely feel content, and I would definitely feel very grateful. Right? Again, 
because I was built for adventure. I ventured out. I just followed my heart, followed. Because let's not forget, 20 years ago when I started, actually it was my first fight was 97. So that's 23 years ago, exactly almost to the date. Um, fighting was not that popular. So, yeah, nobody really knew what they were doing. Japan was like the, the number one market. Oh, come on. Yeah, come on. Hey, come on. Look who's here. Look who's here. Oh, hey, yes. Come. Yes, come. Look up television. Come. The stars of the show. Come down, come down, come down. The mini reams. Hello. Hey. hey. It's your old Uncle Ariel here. Hey. hey. Do they have iPads? You ever get them an iPad, Alistair? Oh, they got iPads. <laughs> they're, they're, they're very athletic, so they're not really... They can do it They, they, they can do it like, an, what is it, 30 minutes a day or something, or an hour a day, two, two yeah. times 30 minutes a day, and they just want to run around and... That's good. Yeah. Okay, so you were telling us back in 97, no one liked fighting, right? Well, uh, no, it was not that big of hype. There was not that, a, a lot of, not that much money uh, involved. There was not, uh, nobody really knew what they were doing. And I don't know, I just liked it, followed my heart, you know, wanting adventure and got, got it. Mm. Um, were you nervous back then? Like before those early fights, did you get scared? Did you feel mm. anything? Like what? Nerves, anxiety, fear. I never really had anxiety. I guess I'm a little bit tough there, I guess. I never really in, ever had anxiety. Uh, I can just uh, yeah, put myself over that. Wow. But I mean, there's, there's tension, right? Yeah. I and mean, it is a real fight. <laughs> when were you your happy? Like, what's the happiest moment of your career? Maybe the best is yet to come. But if I asked you what moment put the biggest smile on your face, you will remember this moment when you're 90 years old telling your great grandkids about your great career. What's the moment that comes to mind? <clears throat> well, okay. So uh, obviously um, it would be this moment, right? Because there's so much stuff outside of fighting. Obviously there's going to be uh, big fights, big wins, championships, but um, no, I think, I think these moments because my girls are there, my daughters, um, life outside of the cage is, is, is rocking, is great. And uh, yeah, life is accomplished, right? Do your girls um, at home, do they understand what you do? Like, do, do they know that you go and fight? Like, how, how do they process this? Well, we kind of bring it that uh, as, uh, as sport, right? Boxing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is boxing. <laughs> so that is going to Denver to train, to box. And uh, they'll watch. Uh, after the um, fact? One is, yeah, after the fact. Okay. <laughs> this is just a, just a little check that is not going to be too crazy. But they saw the fight a day later, right? Because they're sleeping at that time. Because yeah. it's like 4 or 5, maybe even 6 a.m. when the fights are on here. But the next day, they'll watch the fights. Do they watch the entire thing or do they lose you know interest after a few minutes? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. We're going to have to ask. Okay. We're going to have to wait and answer on that. Because sometimes I show my kids my work and they lose uh, interest after 30 seconds. So I was wondering if yours was a little more enticing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think they are a little more enticing. Okay, yeah. I mean, you're in their fight. What? I mean, last fight was fifth round, right? Okay, are they going to watch <laughs> 25 minutes? I don't know. But it is a good question. I'm going to ask. By the way, something that I noticed on Saturday and people were giving me, uh, you know, some, some grief for this. I noticed, I don't see it often and I don't know if it's an elevation thing, your team in, in Colorado, but I noticed between rounds, 
you turn around and you face the outside of the cage so that you can speak to the other coaches. Usually we see the guy sit there or, or, or the woman sit there and she's kind of facing her opponent with the coaches speaking mm-hmm. back for her. But, but I noticed Neil Magny does it, Montana Del Rosa, uh, several fighters do it where they face. Where did that come from? Because I think it's actually brilliant and I don't understand why more fighters don't do that. Um, I don't know. For, for me, it's very normal. You know, even, even in sparring, I would look at my coaches. Just mm. level, look. You listen a little bit better when you see uh, when you see your face, hear a voice to your face. What is going on there? It's it's an incredible team. Like you guys are on some kind of run, and I know each time we speak a little more about it. But I honestly still feel like elevation doesn't get enough credit. Doesn't get like we 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 focus on ATT and we focus on uh, Jacksons and, <clears throat> and and AKA and these camps. Why why doesn't anyone talk about elevation? It's incredible what you guys are doing over there. What yeah, is the they're definitely on the rise, and I and I think that the the recognition is coming. Right, mm-hmm. they've got some huge name in the team, uh, in, uh, huge names, and um, it's the chemistry. Right, it's 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 cool guys, cool dudes with experience, high level of uh, professionalism. They know what they're doing. Did Listen, this... I, for, for me, it was the same. I hadn't heard about him. I just went to Curtis, and then I got introduced to the coaches, to the team. Everybody's cool on the team, right? All the fighters. And, uh, yeah, all the coaches, uh, David, Christian, uh, Christian Allen, Elliot uh, Marshall, Cody Donovan. So uh, it's the chemistry. Mm. Did this move? And these guys, say again? Sorry, I was just wondering if the, if this move extended your career in your your opinion. If you don't make this move, maybe we're not talking about you winning fights at forty. Absolutely, absolutely, really? yeah, yeah. You know, I uh, am ultimately responsible for my own actions and destiny. Uh, that being said, you know, when you're losing fights, you have to always analyze what's going on, what's happening. To me. You know, you, you need to not be stagnant. You need to always learn, always develop. There needs to always be something happening on that front. And these guys have the same mindset. I went there and I just went to check it out to Curtis. And uh, I was learning and immediately. Mm. And uh, I, I, I like the chemistry in the team. I like the values of the team. They're on the ball. They, 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 and they're cool, cool people. Wow. Um, and so at, the, at this point, I, I know you talked a little bit about it going into the fight, but now that the fight is over, have you put a limit on the number of fights? Have you put a limit on the number of years? Where are you at in terms of the state of your career? Uh, it'll probably be one or two more years. It'll probably be a couple more fights, two or three. That's it. That's it. Two or three. <laughs> yeah. How, how many fights left on this deal with the UFC that you have? You're asking me again weird things. What? That's the, is that a personal question? Well, I'm not asking you how many years you uh, how much how much I'll a t- month do you make? I'm not asking you how much you make. I'm just saying how exactly. many years left. Exactly. So you're asking me things. I'm not asking you those things. What? But, but you can tell me how much you make. I, but I didn't ask you how much you make. I, I just asked. Ariel, you never told me how much you make a month. I'd be happy to tell you how many years left on my contract with ESPN. If I tell you how many years left on my contract with ESPN, would you tell me how many fights left on your deal with the UFC? <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you. Listen, it, it, it could, like be two fights, could be two fights, could be four fights, could be okay. five fights, but it's going to be one or two more years. Okay. And um, I am 
I have decided that, and I'll tell you why, because uh, it is a dangerous sport. It takes a lot out of me, the way I prepare, because I'm a perfectionist. I put everything everything possible in the, in the, in the balance. You know, I separate myself, I'm on diet, and all those things are, are great, right? Being on diet is good. That's good for my body, healthy. But uh, we must not forget that it is a full contact sport. And I've been doing it for a number of years. Uh, training for, what is it, 28 years? 28 years sparring, 28 years uh, getting hit. I don't get hit often. Uh, and team elevation is awesome, awesome values, right? We, we, uh, we do not injure each other. We're, we're good for each other. But uh, it is a full contact sport. And I have to be clever with, uh, with my life, with my health. And after 25 years, if I compete another two years, I'll be fighting for 25 years, 25 years. And these last few years, it has been two or three fights a year. But before that, it was five, six, seven fights a year on average. And you're always in camp. You're always preparing. You're always traveling. And I think uh, it, is, it is clever to stop while you're ahead, while you're on top. Mm-hmm. I've seen other athletes, other fighters that uh, get damaged, and I don't want that for myself. Do you find at this age that it takes you longer to recover, that you're slowing down a little bit? Like, do you feel the body reacts yeah. differently to the recovery fights? recovery definitely uh, goes down. I would say after 30. This is this is some something that people don't really... Uh, your recovery slows down after 30. I would say 1% a year, so... That's 10 years now, so I would be at 90%. Wow. Uh, I mean, and, and look in the mirror. When you're 20, you go for a drink. The next day you wake up, you can go train, you can do whatever. <laughs> if I go for that same drink, now I need a couple of days. Right. So your recovery right. goes down. That's a fact. And uh, that's a sign, right? You're, 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 you, of course, you can pursue your dreams, but you should not go all crazy and keep going for years and years and years. You need also... Uh, would it be safe to say that you want to finish your career with the UFC? Yeah. Beautiful organization. It's amazing yeah. the, the, the way they keep tilting the level to new heights, right? Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Um, obviously, Stipe is the champ. Just beat Daniel Cormier. If you were in charge, would you do Stipe versus Francis next? Do you think that's the fight? Because, you know, he's talking about John Jones, Brock Lesnar, boxing. What do you think is the most fair thing? Yeah, Brock doesn't uh, belong in the conversation, in my opinion. Uh, Sir John Jones does. I don't know. I don't know what what. Uh, I'm not in the promoter chair. Mm-hmm. John Jones uh, obviously is coming up now in in, in weight. Um, I don't know, but I think Francis is there too, right? He needs to he needs to get the title shot first. It sounds like uh, you don't even think Brock should be discussed. Like you think we should all move on from Brock. Like enough of this Brock talk. Brock still has uh, some USADA things to deal with. So he cannot be in this conversation. Um, we have to re- we have to keep UFC um, um, we have to keep UFC taking UFC serious. We can't we can't and that's why we can't take Brock serious because he's still got USADA things to deal with. Okay. Do you think he even comes back or no at this point? Uh, at age of 43, 44, with still USADA hanging over his head. I do not think it is. Um, I don't think that's that's who, you know. <laughs> no, I don't think he's coming back. I was surprised to hear you say that you'd uh, be honored to welcome John Jones to the heavyweight division, considering you you've trained with him and it seemed like you guys were buddies. Obviously, it's not personal, but why would that interest you? Well, um, 
I don't have bad vibes of him. Uh, I just think it would be a good fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, and again, I don't have you know. Uh, he was actually very nice to me while while, while I was at uh, Jackson's. Um, but I, yeah, I don't have I don't have difficulty fighting former teammates. Mm. How do you yeah. think he would do at heavyweight? I think he's going to do good. He's got my body frame. He's strong. He's technical. Uh, he was kind of flirting with the idea for a long time. Right, he did very well against Oloski at the time. Uh, Jones versus Stipe, who wins in your opinion? Mm, that's a good fight. I don't know. Could go Jones either versus, way. Jones versus Francis, who wins? Could go either way. No picks from you. No. You don't <laughs> do picks. Alistair versus Jones, who wins? Uh, me, of course. <laughs> uh, it doesn't sound like you're interested in the Jarzinho uh, rematch. How come? Well, uh, no, I am. I am. Who says I'm not interested in him? I mean, I still have uh, a score to settle, right? Mm. He stole something from me. He snuck away with the, with the victory. I mean, I schooled the man. He knows it. Everybody, everybody knows it. The whole world knows it. But somehow he still has that W. So we definitely have some, some score to settle. Yeah, I mean, you'd be on a five-fight winning streak now if not for that. Actually, I, I am. That's the way I, it feels to me. Okay. Um, so is that your pick? Like if they say to you, okay, Alistair, who do you want? Is that the pick? Yes, definitely. Oh, that's the one. Because on Saturday, it seemed like you weren't all that interested in it. No, that's not true. That's okay. Not true. Why would I not be interested to run it back with him? I don't know. Maybe you feel like you beat him and you want to move on with your life. Well, it is not on paper, so we got to still do it. Okay, so your top pick, if they gave you your choice, would be to fight Jarzinho again in your next fight. Yes. Has there been any talk of that? No, not yet. What did you think of his last performance? Yeah, it was good, right, JDS? You were going to say something there, and I uh, I cut you off. Yeah, what I do don't you... remember you were interrupting. Keep interrupting. <laughs> no, no p- preliminary talks. Uh, no, uh, listen. I'm not that much of a talker, right? Right, right, right. It doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't uh, suit me either? You um, see, will have something in in their mind, uh, and uh, we're gonna dance with them. Okay. Uh, by the way, speaking of dancing, uh, your walkout song on Saturday, nice beat. Felt like it put you in a good mood. I, I saw you comment on it. Uh, any significance behind it? Uh, DJ Rehab, friend of mine from Holland, mm-hmm. cool guy talented dj and uh yeah so i was actually at a festival this is a couple months ago pre-covid and i heard it and i was like hey i want this so i and i i, I kind of know him. i'm in touch with him so I'm like yeah make this for me please and he did and uh, it was cool it worked right even yeah, you liked it it was great i remember a few years ago i asked you about your walkout song i think it was when you fought in newark ufc 169 you wouldn't tell me remember you said you would tell me one day why that song meant something to you you still haven't told me. I don't remember. It's you don't too long ago. Yeah. You said I was like the salmon <laughs> swimming upstream. You do remember, right? You do remember. Uh, that sounds like something I would say, but <laughs> UFC 169, that's like 100 UFCs ago. Yeah. Well, almost. Yeah. You don't yeah. remember? Uh, I, I feel uh, like you uh, remember all these things, Alistair. No, no, no. No? What about, what about the sledgehammer? Who came up with that idea? Oh, okay. So that was that was a different era, right? That's like f- two or three arrows back. <laughs> yes. 
that the whole idea behind that was um, Japanese love that, that stuff. And then, yeah, okay, pick a prop. Who's, who are you going to be? And then at that time, uh, Demolish Man, the movie, oh, I'm going to be Demolish Man, Demolish Man. And the Japanese loved it. And uh, that made me walk out with the sledgehammer. I, I don't know. I did it for a couple of years. Yeah. Did they, give you, did they give it to you no, or did you? No, I did myself. But I got annoyed with flying around with that thing. It's big. <laughs> big. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. Oh, uh, those were great. Maybe for the last fight, you bring it back. What do you think? Then I got to fly around with it again. Just one time. For your old fans. For my old fans. <laughs> It's been so long ago, right? Well, I don't know. I don't even know if they allow that to happen, right, in UFC. Do you have it? Yeah, it's, uh, I have, yeah, it is. It is. It's actually right here. Let me show you. No way. This is incredible. Alistair is going to show us the famous sledgehammer from the old Pride days. This is a treat for old school fans right here. I feel like I'm about to witness history. There it is right there. Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. I'll wow. walk up there, actually. Please, please, please. <laughs> this is wonderful. Do you have a bunch of trophies there? What is that? Your your trophy room? Yeah, it's my trophy room. Look at this guy right here. A living legend. One of the all-time greats. And not only MMA, but kickboxing. Showing us his trophy room. What an honor this is. But here is the hammer. Oh, my gosh. A real piece yeah. of combat sports history right here. Oh, yeah. Look at that. So is this your trophy room, Alistair? Yes, I got the, the Pride trophies, Strike Force. Oh, oh my gosh. K1 Grand Prix. Uh, this is my first trophy. Okay, and this is my second, November 1597, and this is November 2198. This is Dream. And here's K1. Here's some more some strike force. Wow. Gloves. Some wraps. I'm in awe of this. This is great. Dream heavyweight. Yeah. Todd Duffy. Yeah. This was my first world title. 205. Too hot to handle. Yeah. October 10th, 2004. Strike force gloves. Probably the best. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those were great. The blue ones. <clears throat> Alistair, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for this. I feel uh, I, I, you have reinvigorated me just looking at this stuff. It's always a pleasure, my friend, seeing that wonderful smile of yours. And uh, congratulations. And uh, enjoy the victory with your family. And we'll talk to you soon, okay? Sound like a plan. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. As longtime fans of the show know, I have enjoyed developing a relationship with Alistair Overeem, one of my favorites in the history of this game. And I love talking to him about his career, the, the, the highs and lows, the happy moments, the sledgehammer, all that stuff. It's a great 
trip down memory lane. And when you consider that this man has been fighting since the 90s, has won multiple belts in multiple organizations, has won a K1 World Grand Prix title, and the fact that in his 40s he is still a player and could easily be on a five-fight winning streak, it's pretty amazing. And I know he didn't start off very good against Sakai, and he has his reasons, but it's pretty incredible. Because it was a time, not that long ago, he lost two in a row, he was getting knocked out, and people thought he was done. He ain't done. You almost have forgot. Alistair Overeem, still a player in 2020, going to 2021. It's pretty remarkable. Now, speaking of remarkable, how about this situation with Gerald Merchart? How about this situation? They book Hamzat Shemaev, the hype train himself, who's deserving, by the way, of all the hype. Let's not you know, kid ourselves. But they book him against Gerald Merchart next weekend, September 19th. And they already say that they have Hamzat's next fight booked in November against Damian Maya. Now, they sometimes do this sort of thing behind the scenes. They've got the guy's next fight book. Yeah, but they don't make it public. And oh, by the way, when they announce the fight, they don't skip over who the next fight is against. They didn't even say Gerald Merchardt's name. When Dana White mentioned this scenario, he didn't even say Gerald Merchardt's name. I don't even know if he can say Gerald Merchardt's name. But here we are, and Gerald Merchardt is getting ready to shock the world. He's got me all fired up. He tells everyone, including myself, that he is going to shock the world. He is disrespected. He feels slighted. And he's got a thing or two to show Hamza Chemaev on September 19th. Here's my conversation with GM3, a.k.a. Gerald Merchardt. Prepare to be fired up. And now let us say hello to UFC middleweight Gerald Merchardt, who we found out late last week will be fighting against Hamzat Shemaev on September 19th. This is a fascinating story because we also found out that the UFC has tentatively booked Hamzat Shemaev versus Damian Maya in October. But first things first, he has to get by Gerald. And this is a very unique story, and I appreciate Gerald uh, for joining us here for a few minutes to talk about it all. Gerald, how are you? I'm great, Ariel. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Uh, I believe this is the first time officially that we speak in an interview setting, so uh, I appreciate you doing this, and uh, it's great to have you on. Um, like I said, I'm fascinated by this story, so I have a lot of questions, um, but I do want to ask you first how you're feeling, because you were supposed to fight just a few weeks ago against Ed Herman, but we found out on fight day that the fight was canceled after you, uh, you tested positive for COVID-19, so how are you feeling? I feel great. I was one of the few very fortunate people that uh, my symptoms were extremely mild. I had a stuffy nose for a couple of days. And other than that, I was still able to like work out at home and stuff, I have a little home gym set up. So I stayed in pretty good shape and uh, you know, I'll be ready come September 19th. And, and when that happened, cause I know that they, they test you when you arrive in Vegas, but then they also test you after the weigh-ins, the initial test you, you passed, you were negative, And then on fight day, you found out that you were positive. Uh, correct. So we take a test when we fly in Tuesday, like you said, and then right after weigh-ins, we get tested again. So I got woke up by a phone call about 8 a.m. And they said, all right, well, you, you know, you tested positive on your last one. So we're going to give you another test. And then you got to wait four more hours to see if it was a, a false positive or not. And that was probably one of the longest four-hour stretches of my life. And of course, you were involved with the Ian Heinish situation back in June where we thought that he was out of the fight, right? So uh, this right. has obviously affected you a lot. And correct me if I'm wrong, now, were you supposed to fight this weekend as well? And that fight got postponed? Obviously, you're, you're not fighting September 19th, but what happened there? Right. So I, we tried to reschedule the fight at Herman September 12th. And it was one of those things where I, I thought I could still maintain and be ready, but I kept getting retested and I just kept coming up positive and positive and there's no way to tell how often it's going to happen. And 
at this point it was like three, four weeks that I was coming back positive all the time. And my coach, myself and my manager, we all talked and we decided, you know, best, best to just tell them now, I don't want to waste my time and drive out there and test again. I don't want to waste that Herman's time. And I definitely don't want to waste the UFC's time. You know, I fly out to try and give this guy a fight again and then just test positive for, you know, now I got to drive home again for really no reason. So, um, but then very shortly after that, very fortunately, I got a negative test finally. So it should be good unless, you know, that one was wrong, but they're going to, they sent one. I just took one uh, a little bit earlier just to double check and make sure and we should all be set. Okay. And by the way, are you, are you driving from Wisconsin to Vegas? No, 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 no. When I had to, so when I left Vegas, I drove back to Wisconsin. Oh my gosh. How long did that take? Yeah. Uh, I chopped it up into about three days. So, you know, the drive through Utah and Colorado was very beautiful. And after that, it was a long drive. <laughs> oh my. And especially when you think that you're going to fight, I mean, it's kind of a bit of a downer, right? You think you're going to fight, you're now driving home and no fight. Um, yeah. Not exactly the, the happiest of times, but the, the good news is September 19th, you do have a fight. Could I ask you, when did they approach you about this fight against Hamzat? I heard about it about a day before the internet did. So pretty much when you guys heard about it is when I said yes. Wow. Okay. So that's not that long ago. Cause we found out late last week. Yeah, I think I found out like Tuesday or Wednesday. Okay, and what was your reaction when you got the name Hamza Chemaev as, as your next opponent? Obviously, I'm assuming you, you have now heard of him, right? Oh, yeah, I saw his fights. I had heard of him, and as soon as they told me, I was like, yes, most definitely yes. Why most definitely yes? I would imagine there are a lot of people who might not say that right now after seeing his first two UFC fights. Uh, because i tied for the most submissions in the middleweight division in the UFC, Ariel. I am the kryptonite to his Superman, all right? Everything he does well, I can turn that into a bad situation for him. And I'm going to show everyone that on September 19th. Given that, and, and given your, your record, and given how good you are on the ground, are you surprised that they are booking you against him? Uh, not really, because I get overlooked a lot and, you know, not to be like, a, oh, everyone's against me type of guy or anything. But if I'm being honest with myself, and I'm sure everyone's gonna look at my record, you know, I'm just above 500 in the UFC. Uh, I've beaten some all right guys. And then every time I try to make that next step up, I, I seem to have a little hiccup and I'm trying to correct that right now. So they're probably figuring, okay, we'll give him a quick turnaround. He's got a lot of energy behind his name. This guy will be a decent test, but he should be okay. And then we're going to try and like force him onto some bigger name after this. Yeah, so it's it's very interesting because if you were just looking at this fight in in a vacuum, given his first two opponents and and now given you and where you're at, it, it kind of makes sense. Like there's a natural progression there, right? I, I feel like they're kind of moving him along the right way. But then you find out about the Damian Maya fight, which I'm told isn't signed just yet, but it's something that they want for October. And, and Dana White, when he told this to um, the media late last week on Friday, I believe, he mentioned the Maya fight and said that they had another fight before. Like, he didn't even mention your name. He mentioned the Maya fight, but didn't mention your name. What is your reaction when you find out that not only are they booking him against you, but they also have his next fight booked against a legend like Damian Maya? Uh, look, Ariel, uh, plain and simple, is disrespect, right? He's got to get through me. Like I said, I have tied for the record most submissions in the middleweight division. I'm a dangerous fighter. I'm a game fighter. And look, I get it. He's undefeated. He's young. He fights just like Khabib, who's on a hot streak right now, got a lot of big following. And I'm pretty sure he took the two closest fights back to back, you know, probably in UFC history. 
lot of lot of steam coming in behind his name. But you know what? You know, if you want to root for and this is the thing, I'm not undefeated, right? Like I said, I'm not gonna be the blue chip prospect. But you know what I can do? I can be the miracle on ice. I can be Cinderella man. If you want to watch somebody that's you know scratched and clawed their way to get where they're at, then watch me. I got the blood, sweat, and you know, fing- under my fingernails just from trying to fight my way back in it. And let me tell you something, Ariel. All these young kids coming up that think they can get by with eight perfect wins like that, it's not going to happen. Look, he has never met resistance in any of his UFC fights. Every time he goes out there, he just runs right through people. What's going to happen when Kamzat runs into somebody that doesn't do exactly what he wants? What's going to happen when he tries to play out his game plan and what he wants to do turns into a nightmare? And that's what we're going to find out. I love this, Gerald. So you are, you are assuming the underdog role here. You like this. I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, there's nothing that gets me out of bed more than when people tell me I can't do something. You know what I mean? And this is, this is the perfect, perfect example. We've got a young hungry fighter from across the sea that wants to come into the USA and try and beat one of their most hardworking underrated fighters in the nation. All right. I've been around this game for a long, long time. Started fighting in 2007. I paid my dues and it's time for me to start cashing in. Um, would you have preferred, or, and, and maybe not, maybe, maybe you like it, you know, the way it's, it's kind of laid out here, but it, it's very rare. Like, obviously the UFC has plans, right? They know that this guy, if he gets by that guy, is going to fight that guy for the top dogs, right? But it's very rare that they actually tell us who's next before the, the upcoming fight, right? Like, it's very rare that they double book someone like this. How do you feel about the cut? Like, it's one thing for him to accept these fights, but it's another for the, the promotion to do it as well. How do you feel about them doing it and making it public? Hey, I just get a chance to spoil their plans. You know what I mean? I'm going to take all his thunder and I'm going to run with it. So whatever happens on the 19th, people are going to know my name a lot better from now on. I'm going to inflict pain because even, even if I want to walk out of that cage and somehow let's say I, you know, lose a controversial decision or something, I promise you one thing. Kazmat is not going to be physically able to fight come October. As soon as he steps out of that cage, he's going to need at least six months to recover from what I'm going to do to him. Okay. So, so he has looked, I mean, virtually unbeatable thus far in the UFC, the two fights, people aren't even landing a single punch on him. Do you see holes in his game from what you've seen? I mean, it's hard to see holes in someone's game when they get such easy fights. You know what I mean? He fought a guy that came up from lightweight to fight him at welterweight. So he fought an undersized welterweight, really. And then he fought a guy who was a middleweight who, from what I heard, had a rough weight cut, didn't look like he had a ton of energy. And if we're being honest, he's dangerous if you decide to stand and slug with him. So now he's got to fight somebody. Not only can I strike, but I'm very, very good in the grappling department. And even though he's like, he's forced himself into a spot where he thinks if he's on top, he's winning. He might not necessarily be winning. And guess what? If he's one of those tough guys that talks about, oh, I tap, that's fine. I'll snap your arm off or I'll put you to sleep. I put two people to sleep in the UFC already, so it's nothing new to me. Um, what impresses you about him? I think he's going to be very mentally tough. I think I can break him, but it's not going to be easy, and I'm not going to kid myself about that or lie about it to anybody. Look, you're 8-0. You almost expect to win, and I think he's still working hard, but there's something about someone that – insists on doing what they want to do in the fight, no matter what else is going on. He's going to come out. He's either going to throw a head kick or some strike and he's going to shoot every single fight. It goes drops to his knee, shoots the double leg. If he misses that, he comes up to a body lock and then he mat returns. And then he's going to force you to his corner, try to get you against the cage. And he's going to wrist ride and try to beat you up until he can choke you. 
Well, I got answers for all of that. And he's going to do the exact same thing the whole fight. He has no idea what I'm going to do to him. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, obviously, a massive fight, massive stakes. Uh, you're fired up. But in reality, you're getting, you know, what, two weeks to prepare for it? In a perfect world, would you have preferred a little more time? I mean, maybe in a perfect world, Ariel, but it's not a perfect world. You know what I mean? Like I said, I've been fighting since 2007. I got almost 50 fights. If I don't know how to fight by now, what am I even doing? If he was to show up right now in the parking lot, we can scrap it out right now. You know, I'm a vet. I got plenty of tools in my tool bag. I'll figure it out. Um, and I, I understand that you are actually in Missouri right now training with your, uh, your, your fellow teammate, Tyron Woodley, who's headlining that card against Colby Covington. How long have you been there? Because, I mean, I would imagine, I mean, Tyron, what, what a great training partner to have for this particular fight, right? Given his wrestling background, how long have you been in Missouri with Tyron? Uh, actually, I was training all up in Milwaukee. I drove, got up early this morning, drove down, just got done with training in our uh, advanced UFC COVID test. So, you know, I hopped out of the car and I got to work. And that's exactly what I'm going to do on the 19th. You know, like I said, I'm a veteran fighter. I've been in it for a while and there's nothing I love doing more. I also noticed um, a couple of weeks ago, probably before that you even knew that you were going to fight Hamzad, uh, you were training with Bo Nickel, who's, uh, you know, a great collegiate wrestler who is making the transition to MMA. Um, I'm wondering if he's helping you for this particular fight. Is he still there at Rufus? Is he still around or did he go back home? Uh, he went back, but, you know, Bo was a great guy to go with, you know, very, very knowledgeable in the grappling department. Um, I was very, very blessed to be able to work with him for a, a few days. And man, what a great body. He's going to do really, really well in MMA. And, you know, we were both picking our brains about different things. And, you know, if I can go around and wrestle with guys like Tyron and Bo Nickel and get some of that good old-fashioned American folk-style wrestling. You know, Kazmat's freestyle wrestling isn't going to hold a candle to that, especially for MMA, so I think I'll be just fine. Uh, are you the kind of guy that watches a lot of tape on your opponent? And if so, have you been able to find non-UFC fights of his to watch? Uh, I've seen clips of his non-UFC fights, and obviously I watch both of his UFC fights. But look, like I said, I broke it down for you earlier, Ariel. He does the exact same thing every time. You can go watch one of his fights right now. He's going to, unless he gets punched at, he's going to throw something big, drop to his knee, shoot a double. If he misses that, he comes up to a body lock, and then he goes, uh, you know, referee's position, basically wrist ride, tries to, or he'll clasp the legs if you're on your butt, and then he just tries to beat you up until he gets a choke. That's all he does. As simple as that. Why can't anyone figure it out then? I don't know, man. Apparently <laughs> people stop doing jujitsu or something because it's, it's almost like you get to a point with some guys in MMA that they feel like they can only win from certain positions. I can win from anywhere. I've won fights off my back. I've had to ground and pound guys and get a choke. I've knocked guys out before. So, you know, I think if you're well-rounded and you understand, like, I'm dangerous from any single position. The only place I see Kazmat dangerous is in is when he's – you know, doing what he wants to do. So we're going to see, you know, the famous Ted Lee Atlas quote, what's going to happen when you meet resistance? What's going to happen when you get in there with somebody who doesn't do what you want to do and you get smacked in the face? Have you had a chance to look at the odds just yet? 
I assume he's, he's probably like minus 400 and I'm like plus 600 or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually just got him, and it's actually not, um, I don't know. I, you tell me, you tell me, maybe, maybe I'm wrong here, but, uh, these are the odds as uh, we are speaking right this moment. Um, Hamza minus 500, you are a plus 385 as of right now. What do you think of that? That's about what I expected. Yeah. So if you want to make some money, come bet on me on the 19th. Are you the kind of guy that bets on yourself? Would you bet on yourself here? I gamble with my body enough. I don't need to gamble with my money. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and, and so, okay, so you have this, this opportunity and he has the opportunity against Damon. Uh, maybe we could get it in writing. If you win, if you pull up the upset and you're, you know, pretty healthy, then why can't you get the Damian Maya fight? That would be a big fight for you. Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to it. However, I am not cutting to 170 to fight Damian Maya, so he would have to come up, and I don't know if he wants to do that. And again, I'm not going to overlook Kazmat. Like I said, he's a young, tough kid. He wants to get in there and win, and he has it set in his mind that he's not going to give up. So it's going to be a tough test. But if I do get past that and everything goes according to plan, uh, then we can see if he wants to move up to – Maya wants to move up to 85 again, but I'm, I'm not worried about that too much right now. It is interesting that they're putting him in there against two jujitsu guys, two guys who are very comfortable – off their back that's somewhat surprising right yeah I, which also makes me think that i'm kind of a warm-up so to speak for damian maya mm. which is uh it's hard to say it's insulting because it's damian maya right like he's one of the best jiu-jitsu fighters ever but you know i'm gonna take it that way because i'm me and i think i can be just as good if not better that's right. You should feel that way. Um, and, and so in this situation, you have, you know, uh, I guess a little more, you know, a little more than a, a week to go to, what is it? Uh, yeah, 10 or so days. Um, and I know you took the fight on relative short notice. Is this going to be a tough weight cut for you? Are you a guy, because I know you were going to fight at 205 prior to this. Like, are you concerned at all about the weight? For him, it probably won't be a problem, right? Because he, he can fight at 170 and this is a 185. But what about for you? I should be fine. I never get that heavy. I'm, you know, Weight-wise, I'm not a huge middleweight by any means. And really right now, I'm probably about the same spot I would be in even if I had planned a fight coming up. So I'll be pretty comfortable coming into fight week. Now, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it, it does seem like you're not like overly blown away by him. You, you, you feel like it's, it's fairly obvious what he's going to do. Would it be fair to say that you think that he is overhyped, that maybe he doesn't deserve all this praise? I mean, he's getting a ton of praise. Do you feel like it's not deserved just yet considering who he has fought? Oh, I think he can have all the hype he wants, but just stop giving him hype when he's about to fight me and thinking that it's going to be a walk in the park. That's what really ticks me off. I love it. I love it. You're getting me fired up. I want to watch this fight tonight. I love this. Someone needs to assume this. He can't just be a nice guy in there and, and, and play the role of the guy who's going to lay down. You got to go in there. and t I love that picture that you posted as well. Stopping the hype train. This is great stuff. This is the kind of stuff that gets me fired up. We've lost some of this in this sport, Gerald. I know. I'm trying to bring it back, Ariel. Look, these people don't understand that part of this is an entertainment business. And you know what? If you're having fun doing what you're doing, there's nothing better. And there's nothing more that I love than laying hands on somebody, especially when they're you know, bringing someone in like this that thinks they're going to be the best, best ever. And you know what? Last time I checked, when the two superpowers collided, it was the USA that came out on top. So I think we're going to have a repeat of that Saturday night, and I'm going to show the world that we got some of the best grappling in the world. I thought you were talking about Macho Man and, and Hulk Hogan, the mega powers colliding, but you, you were talking about USA and, and USSR. Yes. Are you a big pro wrestling fan? Oh, not at all. Why do you ask that? 
I don't know. I feel like the way you, you kind of talk and you set up the fights, it, it <laughs> are you kidding? Are you messing with me? I'm messing with you, yeah. Of course I'm a big wrestling fan, Ariel. <laughs> what red-blooded American isn't a wrestling fan? Come on now. Did you grow up? Like, did you grow up, like, looking up to the wrestlers? And is that part of why you get the showmanship and the entertainment part of this game as well? Because a lot of people don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I should run a class on this, right? They got those master class videos. I'm going to start a video on my own. Uh, growing up, and I had a lot of buddies that were into it. We would riff off each other all the time. And now it's real life. I really mean this. Don't think this is an act. Just because I watch sure. wrestling and I said all these things, I'm really going in there to put a hurting on that guy. Like September 19th, they close the case. It's going to be absolute pandemonium. I love it. Pandemonium in an empty arena. This is great. You're going to bring it. I love Who are some of your guys that you, uh, you watched growing up? Uh, obviously, well, as, as you know from earlier, big fan of uh, the macho man, Randy Savage. Yes. So that was a big one. I also, I was young enough at the time, I was also a big fan of The Rock, and I was a fan of CM Punk, who's now my training partner, Mr. Phil Brooks himself. <laughs> Is he still showing up to the gym these days? Yeah, he's being a little more cautious, you know, with the COVID going around, especially because he still has his place in Chicago, but he's still training. Okay. And by the way, what, why is your nickname GM3? I always wondered that. Uh, that's my initials. Uh, Gerald Mershart III, and it just has a nice ring to it. GM3 kind of sounds like GSP. People are used to it. You know, don't want to confuse MMA Twitter too much, so. That's right. GM3, GSP. Yeah, it is kind of the same. Um, and I, I'd be remiss if I don't ask about your, your, your saxophone. You're, you're well known as, as the, the greatest uh, saxophonist in, in UFC history, if I got that right. Um, where, where does that come from? Why did you get into that particular instrument? Uh, I was a really big fan of blues growing up, and I, it was something I wanted to do. I did it all through school. Um, I've said this before. Funny enough, before I started fighting, I was actually going to college very briefly to become a music teacher. So that was my path before. And then, you know, super easy, similar transition into cage fighting. That's right. Do you ever wish uh, you, you stuck with that? Like, do you ever long for those days? Do you feel like it would be a simpler life? Uh, no. Being a teacher right now? No, absolutely <laughs> not. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how you Zoom conference teach a bunch of kids for music class. That would be very, very tough. Do you still play? Yeah, yeah, I'll play some stuff here and there. I, you know, I'm probably a lot more rusty now than I used to be, but I can, I can still hang a little bit. Uh, I only know of one famous saxophonist. Maybe I'm, I'm missing one. I obviously know of the great Lisa Simpson. Uh, she's the only one that comes to mind. Who, in your opinion, is the greatest of all time in that regard? Mm, Coltrane was a really good saxophone player. Charlie Parker is probably the guy that most jazz old school people are, like, really high on. So he's really good, too. Okay, yeah, I have heard of Charlie Parker. Okay, so to round this out, September 19th, Hamza Chemaev. Gerald, I don't know if you know this, Hamza Chemaev already has his next fight booked. He's fighting in October against Damian Maia. I don't know if anyone's told you this. He thinks he's going to come in there in Las Vegas. They, they, they moved mountains, I heard. They moved mountains to get him a visa, to come to Vegas, to give him a showcase fight on one of the biggest cards of the year, Colby Covington versus Tyron Woodley. They found a guy who perhaps they think is dumb enough to take this fight, and they've already booked him in his next fight. Could you believe this, Gerald? Could you believe So could you tell us what's going to happen on September 19th? Could you, could you paint the picture for us? Could you play us this song? Ariel Hawani, September 19th, two men are going to walk into a cage, and only one man is going to walk out of that cage with both legs underneath him, and that man goes by the name of GM3. Let's go. You want to give us more detail or do you want to keep it to yourself? I'll keep it to myself. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Gerald, 
I appreciate this <laughs> very much. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I wish you the best, man. I love the way you're handling this. Uh, I think it's the perfect way to go about it. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best come September 19th. So good luck to you. Thank you for doing this. And we'll talk to you soon. Hey, Ariel. I really appreciate it. Black Lives Matter. First time talking to Gerald Merchardt. I got to say, I am a fan. I love that he's playing this up. I love that he has embraced the role of the spoiler of the underdog. Not saying that he's going to win the fight. Obviously, uh, the the cards are not exactly in his favor, but crazier things have happened. Hamza looks really good, but Gerald's good off his back. Who knows? I'm into it. I can't wait. Another fun fight for September 19th. Now, as for this weekend, UFC is back. It was supposed to be Glover Teixeira against Thiago Santos. Um, unfortunately, Glover tested positive for COVID-19, so that fight has been moved to October 3rd. Fight Island, we found out officially that they'll be going to Fight Island in Abu Dhabi for five straight weeks, beginning with UFC 253. That won't be the main event, by the way, on that card. It's going to be uh, Irene Aldana against Holly Holm. So the new main event this weekend is Angela Hill against Michelle Watterson. And and this is notable for two reasons. Angela Hill, the first black American female to headline a UFC event, also the first female in UFC history to fight at least four times in consecutive years. Pretty remarkable how active she's been. So this is a big fight for both of them, especially when you consider the fact that a year ago this time, you know, Michelle Watterson thought that she'd be fighting for the title and she's now lost two in a row. Big fight for her. Angela Hill has to get back on track. So I'm looking forward to that one. I want to send my best wishes to Randy Couture, who uh, got injured in an ATV accident. Spoke to his manager, uh, Sam Spire. This happened earlier this week. And uh, he did suffer some serious injuries, but they are hopeful that he'll make a, a full recovery. Uh, he, he will have to go um, and get surgery, but I, I hope that Randy and his girlfriend uh, make a speedy recovery. So I wanted to send my best out to him. Um, speaking of Randy Couture, Randy Couture obviously works for PFL these days. Um, we've been all wondering what's going on with Michael Chandler, still a free agent. I'm told that we are going to hear something maybe in the next couple of weeks regarding where he's headed. PFL, very much a player, UFC interested. I'd be surprised if he goes back to Bellator, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, maybe at the at the, at the the end of the day, Hail Mary, they try to sign him. But PFL a player, UFC a player, won a player. So those are obviously all the, the big names. But um, Chandler is playing the field. And I'm really curious to see interesting fights for him in all those spots. I'm curious to see where he uh, ends up. And hopefully we'll get an answer to that question in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. Now, speaking of Bellator, they've got a big weekend coming up. They've got two events. We've got the UFC on Saturday. We've got two Bellators uh, this weekend. We've got Friday's card, Bellator 245, headlined by Phil Davis versus Leona Machida. Also got the debut of Katzengano for Bellator. Ed Ruth, Raymond Daniels on that card as well. So I am looking forward to that one. And also Bellator 246 features a great main event between Juan Archuleta and Patchy Mix for the vacant bantamweight title. That's a phenomenal fight at 135. John Fitch against Neiman Gracie, the debut of Liz Carmouche, Derek Campos on that card as well. And this will likely be the final Bellator card on the Paramount Network as they make their move over to CBS Sports Network and uh, perhaps eventually CBS and Showtime, though that is not set in stone. So a bit of history uh, this weekend as well. So a very busy weekend. And by the way, Betch Cohea announced her retirement as well. She's going to retire in December with one more UFC fight. So uh, that is notable too. So a lot going on as always in the world of MMA. That's the quick rundown for now though. Time for everyone's favorite segment of the week. It is time for TST's 
minimalist tip of the week. And as always, it is brought to you by Modelo. Setting the gold standard for authentic Mexican beer since 1925, Modelo Especial. Brewed for those with a fighting spirit. TST's Minimalist Tip of the Week. Erno, I wanted to pass it along a minimalist tip from one of my friends. As you know, I am not a social media person. I deleted my Facebook years ago, so I really don't know much about Facebook Marketplace, but I have this friend who told me that she was going through some of her closets and found all sorts of old school materials and books and things that uh, other people would definitely be wanting. She sold some clothes. She ended up basically selling a bunch of stuff, cutting out half of the possessions in her life, per my minimalism advice, and sold them all on Facebook Marketplace. I've talked about donating things, different places you can, but you can also sell some of the things that you have if they still have value, things you want to get rid of. So Facebook Marketplace is apparently a great place to go. So check it out. Wow. How about this? TST with an ad for Facebook Marketplace. I like it. How much did they pay you for that? Uh, I cannot disclose the uh, terms of that. If you can't talk about how much money you're making with uh, Overeem here, I can't either. By the way, I was ready to <laughs> divulge everything. I actually I was I hoping. I don't know. Well, I one up them and I said, I'll tell you. And I wasn't even asking him about how much he, he made. I don't know why fighters. Yeah, I don't know why he's being so fishy about it. That's like, an honest question. In every single sport, we know how many years left on this guy's deal. That I mean, we even know how much they make to the penny. But for some reason in our sport, it's taboo to ask not how much you make, how many fights left on your deal. If anything, I would want that out there. I would want to create some demand. I think the the the, the smart place to do that. But hey, who am I? Who am I? What do I know about any of this? Anyway, thank you very much, TST. Thank you very much, Alistair Overeem. Thank you very much, Joe Merchart. Thank you very much to all of you for continuing to uh, rate, download, subscribe, and review. I appreciate it. Not just this show, but the Monday show with DC as well. DC and Hawani. We're doing a lot of fun things over here on the uh, the ESPN MMA platform. Check them out on Twitter and Instagram. New York Rick and Tessa do a great job with the, uh, the Twitter and Instagram feed at ESPN MMA. And the YouTube channel is on fire. YouTube.com slash ESPN MMA. All right. We're out of time. Thanks, as always. Much love. Back next week. Same time and place. Tell us a peace. I'm out of here.